Blog Talk Radio. Hey, this is Zach Efron, and you're listening to The Stupid Cancer Show. I hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. <laughs> Somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Because he has a lot of chutzpah. <laughs> Hello there, children. Hey, hey, kids. <laughs> People seem to like me because I am polite and I'm rarely late. And now, the hosts of the Stupid Cancer Show, Lisa Bernhard and Matthew Zappi. Woohoo! Monday, April 23rd, 2012, and welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adult cancer. I am Matthew Zachary, a 16-year young adult survivor of pediatric brain cancer. And I'm Lisa Bernhardt, 16-year young adult breast cancer survivor, and we're your host for the Stupid Cancer Show. It's not okay. Not okay. That 72,000 young adults are diagnosed with cancer each and every year, so... Got cancer? Under 40? Suck, huh? Time to get busy living, folks, because the Stupid Cancer Show is changing the world one chemo infusion at a time. That's right, Matthew. And tonight's show, Cancer Camps Take Me Away. We're going to learn about all kinds of great escapes that you can make, including Camp Good Days and Special Times. The chairman and founder, Gary Mervis, will be joining us. Camp Kessem, the development director, Sarah Blumenfeld, will be here, as well as the national program director, Rachel Firefly Firestone. And right here in studio, kicking it off in our Survivor Spotlight, we have Thomas Ryan. He's a young adult survivor of a brain tumor, and he works for the New York Islanders. He's going to tell us all about that, Matthew. The Stupid Cancer Show is a production of Stupid Cancer, also known as the Amateur Young Citizens Cancer Foundation, online all the time, 24-7, 365, at stupidcancer.org. We are not your father's cancer society, but we are bringing the cause. Thank you. <laughs> you're, you ruined it. You broke me up. Yeah, you broke me up. We're bringing the cause of cancer under 40 to the national spotlight where it belongs, so welcome aboard. Another fun and exciting romp to the hay on tonight's Stupid Cancer Show, where remission is not a cure and survivorship is all that matters. And a Stupid Cancer welcome to any and all of our first-time listeners here on the Blog Talk Radio Network and on iTunes as we broadcast live from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan. All right, as a final reminder, the Stupid Cancer Show has a live interactive chat room during each and every broadcast. We invite you to join in the fun, connect with our friends, and ask questions of our guests. And now our obligatory self-ingratiating applause. Woohoo! Hello, Lisa. Hello, Matthew. How are you? Mr. Kenny Kane. What up? Welcome back, Tan. Yes, thank you. Tan, Tan. My burn has subsided, despite using my uh, SPF 1 million. 
<laughs> it's <laughs> the sun somehow seeped through to the freckle layer. I was gonna say like it was you could only go darker because you were as pasty white as they get. Yes. Where were you, by the way? I was in uh, Myrtle Beach, specifically North Myrtle Beach. Uh, I hear that Carolina. South Myrtle Beach is just totally. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's the wrong side of the tracks. Um, no, it was it was a lot of fun. You're peeling. I am peeling. Yeah. Wow. I had a <laughs> one million. One million. <laughs> I had a road trip after my road trip, so it was all good. Yes. Yep. After your big Vegas road trip to our OMG summit, then you went on the road again. Oh, is my volume up? Lisa, oh dear. Welcome to Lisa Bernhardt's technical problems show. <laughs> you know, Lisa's that, call is important. I've to been it. so yeah. good lately, though. I know, I know. I've been really. You, you remember to put the battery in your headphones and plug the laptop techie. in. And uh, listen, I love hey I love hearing myself, but yeah, yeah. your reverb. Wait a minute, you were gone ten days, Kenny. Yeah, yeah. I've been in the office one week. This well, is your first vacation in two years. It is. Matthew had a meltdown every day. And now I'm going. I wasn't even here. It was ugly. I know, but I imagine you did somewhere. A meltdown for other reasons. Well, yeah. you know, I mean, it, it's now two weeks past the summit. You know, I mean, there's no point in following up with all of our leads because they're just still relaxing after the summit. Like, give let's give April a chance to just relax us. Forget about April. Let's give Kenny a, a chance to relax. <laughs> you did. You relaxed for ten I, days, I, I dude. Know. Know. You need a vacation from your vacation from I your need vacation. vacation from His opposable thumbs were still working hard, yes. though. No, he, oh, he was involved. Uh, with the Instagram here, yes, that, that new the, technology yes. that Facebook kids. recently acquired. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, were you involved in that transaction? Did I you get wish. a piece of that? Kenny got a good I piece wish. of that, yeah. yeah. But no, I was away. I, was, I wasn't I was even here. I was, I've been in the office four days in the last three weeks. Since four OMG. days since yeah. OMG in the last three weeks. You're a slacker. Clearly. You've been on the road. You've been out to L.A. You saw Chairman of the Board, Lenny Sender. Well, yeah. I mean, I, on um, Friday and Saturday, I was in Orange County yep. uh, at UC Irvine. Where Dr. our board chairman, Dr. Leonard Sender, is the director of oncology services there, Big Macha on campus. Mm-hmm. He held a boot camp for young adults, all about advocacy, and they're doing amazing research. I find this personally fascinating. Like professionally, it's amazing, but personally fascinating. You know, quality of life and evidence-based research are really great. But they've now finally been able to link. They've been able to link scientifically link what we kind of all will nod our heads say, of course, but link that. Quality of life improves outcomes. Right. Legitimately, quality of life improves outcomes. They did this study. There's something called um, telomeres. T-E-L-E-M-E-R-E-S. Lots of these telomeres are. And I love the scientist who was on the panel explained this to us. The, the little plastic nib on the end of a shoelace, okay? Right. Every DNA strand has one of those, two of those. On either end of a DNA strand is a little plastic shoelace nib called a telomere. Okay. And the length of the telomeres shrink as you get older because the DNA replicates less with, with less, like, gumption as okay. you get older. Your body breaks down. Normal aging. Right. But apparently when you're getting chemo, your telomeres decrease very quickly because your immune system. They've been able to figure out, like, through, um, like, this, this uh, type of social support or therapy that improves your quality of life and keeps your telomeres at normal length during chemotherapy. Is that right? Yes. Wow. Yeah. So there's this the telomerase is the enzyme that helps the telomeres like know what to do and what not to do. So the the blind study worked with it versus the um the what do they call those the uh, the placebo group, and they were able to clinically quantify that this particular type of of social therapy improved the telomeres from shrinking 
during chemotherapy. That's amazing. Yeah. So what did they count as quality of life? How did they measure that? It was a telephone support group with a social worker. Okay. And they were. it was not like your tell me about your mother and why you're crying kind of. It was a very different type of social work, some psychosocial evidence-based data that worked to patients to fund and fuel this new scientific evidence-based model. Right. Blew me away. Wow. So telomeres, people, go Google telomeres. I will. They're the little shoelace leather things yeah. at the end of your DNA strand. I think we should have a professional come in and talk to us on maybe weekly or biweekly. To improve our quality like, like of life. Like a group. Oh. A group Every a group hour therapy, on yeah. the hour. I feel like we right. need we need couples therapy. Kenny, the man. one full-time employee of the organization, <laughs> desperately needs yeah. Yeah. therapy. I need, I, need, I need liquid therapy. Therapy for the gig. No, but I spent yeah. I spent two days in Orange County at this amazing event. They had like 50 or 60 survivors come and scientists and, and clinicians come. It was really a wonderful event. Yeah. And I want to be able to port this information. We're doing a boot camp in New York this fall. And um, I want to have th- that information at this boot camp on top of the other stuff we're planning. It's just a so fascinating That thing. is. That's pretty amazing. So then on Thursday, um, I went down to uh, near Atlantic City. Um, I, I the, the Palms Other calling under, Now me. you're back, yeah, at, back no, on the East Coast. No, uh, Spencer's, our phenomenal partner, Spencer's. Right. Uh, we had a check presentation summer, and they gave us $46,100. That deserves a cheer. In, in front of there. Yeah, that gets one of these things. Nice. I was there with, uh, Kenny was there in spirit, he was on the phone in the conference call, but uh, I was there with Jenna Glazer and Dana McCaw from the Young Survival Coalition, our partner organization with Spencer's, and we got this check presentation in front of 200 employees. Wow. It was amazing. On um, Wednesday, that was Thursday, on Wednesday, I was in uh, Toronto for the day. Lovely city. I was really impressed. I went there on the day they Have you been there the- before? No, never. Oh, it's a beautiful city. I was there the day they pushed the tourist button. And the clouds went away, and nice. it was like 75 degrees. Oh, it's, it, when, when, it's, when it's nice weather in Toronto, it's, you know, they say it's like a cleaner New York. It is. That's why they shoot so many television shows in Toronto when they can't afford to shoot them in right. New York City. They go to Toronto because it kind of looks like New York, right. but kind of cleaner and I was blown away by that parts. city. Not it's only was beautiful. it clean, but it's modern. Oh, There's it's, like a housing boom. It's phenomenal. And they have, like, free health care. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> there's that. So I spent the day in Toronto um, working with a new partner of ours, which was a phenomenal meeting all day. But on Tuesday, I was down in Bethesda at the National Institute of Health, and I gave a, a, a speech to, to like about 100 uh, postdoctorate researchers who work at the NCI. Wow. That these, these are the people. The, National uh, Cancer Institute. i got to tell you, the boots-on-the-ground research scientists at the NCI, these are the people doing that work that you, we know the, the government is actually doing right. in the cancer world. They have a retreat once a year where they take all of them and they throw them on a bus and they take them to a cool place and they have speakers come and talk to them. And I was the only patient advocate and survivor talking to this crowd. I spoke for an hour. The whole spiel, stupid cancer. They all left with wristbands and pins and Load stuff. Load them up. And, Did they uh, leave before you were done? <laughs> only only said, a few of them. Yeah. Cool swag. Let's go. But, uh, you know, the researchers, they, they live in the labs. You know, they don't yeah. know the people that whose lives they impact. They're paler than Kenny. Much they, pale. Actually, no, they were all Indian American. Oh. So they were actually much darker than Kenny. Okay. <laughs> well, then they don't, yeah. But they were okay. brilliant young minds yeah. in their late 20s and 30s, post-doctorate, ready to be interns, residents, and fellows if they want to go out to the hospitals. But they work in labs all day doing miraculous science. And uh, being able to express to them, here's the fruits of your labor. I'm a survivor because of the NCI's research, that kind of thing. So, hey, so Bethesda, Toronto, Atlantic City, Los Angeles, and then I got delayed coming home, and I had to spend a day in Salt Lake City. 
Well, but I have to say, you had a breath of enriching experience, it sounds like, within the cancer community, from telomeres to a $46,000 check <laughs> yes, to postdoctorates. To the Mormons. In the labs, right, to the Book of Mormon. I've never been to Salt Lake City. It's, it's gorgeous. It's a tiny little city, but it's really pretty. I was there once, but I didn't get to see it. In a, in a, you can't miss it. It's yeah. like the biggest thing in the city. Yeah. No, I, I think I was because I was at um, Sundance. Okay. So at Park City, Utah, so I just had to fly through, you know. It's like um, nestled in this giant valley between these, like, 30,000-foot-tall mountain ranges. Right, it's right. It's like in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah. That's a lot. All good, so, all good stuff. No, I mean, uh, I'm... Um, I, I'm tired, but, yeah. but I had a good week and very productive when we were spreading the word of stupid cancer. That's uh, that's phenomenal. And tomorrow's Friday. What? No. <laughs> I almost believed you for yeah. just a second. Even I almost believed oh, you. Oh, my goodness. Wishful thinking. Uh, we should talk about our sponsors, Matthew. Oh, we'll Go do ahead. that. You're uh, go ahead. All right, we can do a little music to our sponsors. We would like to thank the folks who made this program come to life, breathe life through our very microphones here, brought to you. Uh, our wonderful sponsors for the Stupid Cancer Show, we would like to thank Seattle Genetics, Sigma Tau Pharmaceuticals, Prometheus, Prometheus, I could barely get that out, I'm sorry, Metzger Law Firm, Eli Lilly and Company, Volkswagen, Amgen, and the aforementioned Spencers. Thank you very much to all of our wonderful sponsors for helping us to bring you this program. We love you! Yes, we do. Yay! A real round of applause. All right. Thank you. All right, in the Survivor Spotlight tonight, joining us live in the flesh in studio here, Tom Ryan. How are from, you, everybody? Hello, from Belvoir, New York. He's 23, a group sales exec with the New York Islanders um, of the National Hockey League. Uh, at the end of his junior year of high school, he had a brain tumor. He's going to tell us all about that. Uh, pineal blastomia. Uh, he went to rehab, radiation in Boston, and chemotherapy here at NYU. And it's, uh, it's a pleasure to have you. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Hi, Mr. Tom. Tom Ryan. Tom Ryan. I like that he jumps right in with a hey uh Hey ah. Yeah. How old are you? I'm twenty three. You don't look a day over thirty. Oh, thank you. <laughs> all yeah. right. So yeah. all right, so That's your hazing. <laughs> That's right. We don't I'll take it. We don't talk about brain tumors a lot on the show. I mean we we don't really we we're don't? very de- disease I mean I had one but it's all I'm just a big fuck up of a of a giant mess of a good looking guy. <laughs> Did you just I'm give sorry. yourself a backhanded compliment? I, I really did. No, but we're not very disease specific. But no. I think I don't think we give brain tumors the the, the justice because it really. I mean, our manifesto really says that you know it's not about what kind of cancer you have. But when you're digging in your brain with a spoon, you know it's a little different, and not, not to you know sort of take anything out of mastectomy. Not, not, not to negate or, the manifesto. Not yeah, to negate the manifesto right. entirely. But let me go ahead. And negate and it, it. But I was digging in your head with a spoon. Because I had a spoon in my brain, damn it, yeah. <laughs> says Matthew. No, that was yeah. Ben and Jerry's. They raped you. So, <laughs> that one night when you went to the deli for too many, too many minutes. What? I have no idea. <laughs> I had a brain tumor. <laughs> for God's sake, people. All right, people. let's go. We have got a guest here. <laughs> All right, so how old were you when you uh, I, had a brain uh, tumor? I was 16. I was uh, right before my 17th birthday, right as I was uh, finishing up 11th grade, and uh Everyone from New York knows 11th grade is uh, big regions, is to- regions time for uh, high school students. and uh, Those those regents exams. Smack dab in the middle of uh, taking those regents exams, I got sick. So uh, luckily I uh, I got through school, and um, I'm all good now. So what were your symptoms? I had uh, headaches. Uh, in the morning I would wake up with headaches that would last for very short. 
not long at all. And uh, last thing I ever thought was that it would be brain tumors. So, um, were you I, misdiagnosed? Did they take you seriously? Would they give you uh, aspirin? I was probably in the ER for um, a couple of hours before they actually knew what exactly it was. Um, Did you have a test or something like that? Or? No, no, they... Um, Just the regions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Just the failed math and chemistry regions. Oh, the math, I failed the good. chemistry, too. Oh. Did, you, did you have, like... Vision issues or speech um, problems or the, just the headaches? The day before I went in, uh, before I with the headaches, I mean, before I went to the ER, I uh, I was playing baseball with a with a little kid. He threw a ball up and I passed out, and I uh, hit my head on the concrete. And then after that, they so uh, you you passed out by trying to catch the ball, looking up into the sky. Oh, uh, looking up into the sun. I guess that made me pass out. And um, the next day, I uh, actually make a long story short. Um, no, no, go on, extend it. Yeah, yeah, no, hours, I will. take hours. Yeah, I will. <laughs> Listen, um, so uh, I, uh, I was always a bad student in math. Uh, I couldn't do math at all. I had to go take math regions. My mom was like, "Hey, you never know, maybe it'll be easy." Um, I went in to take it. She followed me into the school because she knew I was uh, looking real bad, doing real bad. And uh, they kept coming up to me during the exam. They're like, "Oh, do you want to take in the library? It's air conditioned in there." So I'm like, "Ah, oh, whatever. I'm fine here." Uh, I go home. And uh, I go to the doctor, and the doctor tells me to get to the ER as soon as possible. Um, they looked through my eyes, and they saw that there was either bleeding or fluid on the brain. Wow. And um, then we uh, kind of knew something happened. You were a uh, high school junior. Yep. It was the end of my junior year. Uh, June uh, June 20. Not that there's a good time for it to happen. No, not right. at all. So what, and it, you mentioned, though, that you when you looked up in the sun, you fell to the ground, and you hit your head. Did you have any... Anything else? Any kind of side effects from having hit your? I mean, you you had the tumor was obviously there like, at that like point. A concussion or you had a con- nothing, yeah. nothing like that. Um, I mean, I think a brain tumor is no. Funny, you had you funny, had the brain funny, tumor clearly. Big, right? Clearly, that was there. You know, had nothing to do with hitting your head, but no. But uh, just curious. After. So then you, so they had done what? MRIs, CAT scans, CAT scans things MRIs, like that. Yeah, all, all day long they. Um, I don't know, everything. They couldn't figure it out, and yeah. uh, they finally figured it out. After. So you had bleeding on your brain? Bleeding or fluid, they weren't sure. I don't remember. It's been seven years. So, so you uh, had. To, so did you go right into emergency surgery? Um, later on that night, they put a drain in my head um, to, to get the bleeding or the fluid out. Um, and I had that for four or five days. And then I had um, brain surgery for, it was probably for about nine hours. Wow. And um, so I, after the, the surgery, they got like 99% of it out, and then with uh, radiation and chemo, it was all gone. Where were you treated? Where was the surgery? Uh, the surgery was at Winthrop Hospital in uh, Mineola. Hey, Kenny knows Long Winthrop Island. Hospital. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I'm actually from Long Island. Oh, nice. Me from, too. From uh, Islip. Okay. No, but we have a great relationship with Winthrop. Don't we you? do. You got good care there, then. Really? Yeah, it's it's great over there. Right. They couldn't complain at all. So what? So you brain tumor experts? Pineo <laughs> pineoblastomia is pa- what exactly? I think it's called pineoblastoma. Pineo. Oh, pine- like pineal. Pineal. Yeah. Like the pineal. Re- I'm not yeah. sure. Um, pineoblastoma. All, all I know is that it was very. To the internet. <laughs> It was very, uh, my doctor told me it was very rare of what I had. Like one of like 20 in the country there like each year. So, um. One of 20? 20, yeah. That's pretty darn rare. Yeah, I, I would say. Huh. So you had chemo and radiation? Yep, I had uh, radiation. I had up 
it up in Boston. Okay. They have a, up what? there. They have a. Pro, it's called proton beam radiation. Oh sure, right? sure. Was that at Mass General? Yep, at yeah. Mass General. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know yep. it well. So um, it's uh, it's less invasive radiation as opposed to regular radiation. Right. Um, so that's why uh, my doctor recommended us going out to Boston for seven weeks, and then uh, I came back and I had chemotherapy here at NYU in the city. So my my well, the question we ask all of our young adult survivors in the spotlight is is, is do you feel, and guess it was seven years ago, and things are very different today from patient standards and the young adult movement, mm-hmm. were you introduced to other high school students at the time? Did you meet other people relatively your age? Were you given any support that was relevant to you being that age? Uh, not really. Um, just, I mean, just seeing other people at the doctor and the hospitals, um, someone in the in a similar situation that I was, um, but nothing, nothing like this, and to get you out and to meet other people. Did you? Um, I mean, high school is a whole different. Well, I was diagnosed in college, so mm-hmm. you know, I didn't get like made fun of in the sense. Were you? Did you come under any sort of ridicule or scrutiny? From- no, I I came back. Uh, I actually I missed half of my senior year of high school, and um, just home recovering, recouping, and everything. And uh, when I came back, everybody, um, everyone was real good to me. They uh, they opened their arms and welcomed me back in. Um, it was good. It was very nice. Awesome. And what about what about lasting effects? Have you had any since you've Yeah, you're quite treated? handsome. So if you were ugly yeah. beforehand. Thank you. Yeah. They did a marvelous job. Yeah. <laughs> well, the only, um, as of right now, the only side effect I really had was uh, I'm 23 and I had to get cataract surgery. Really? Um, that's it. They say that's one of the side effects of radiation, long-term side effects. So. Um, Do you remember your dosage? A lot. A lot? <laughs> That's my dosage, yeah. too. It was a lot. It was written right on the prescription there. My dosage was, holy shit. That's my dosage right there. Exactly. Whatever works, works, right? <laughs> yeah. Blast away. Pump away. So, so, um, okay, so no, so you had so cataract surgery, mm-hmm. and you wear glasses now, I see. Yeah. I, I, can, I, I can see that. I, I, yeah. That's good. I've always <laughs> worn glasses. Um, now it's, it's a smaller, lighter prescription, but... Um, Sorry, I keep talking. I'm oh. motioning to Kenny so oh, I can so, see you better over sorry. the... Uh, yeah, so, it's um, the handsomeness. The, the, we need yeah. to get the handsomeness. Uh, you, don't, you don't want to see I'd that. I'd like to look <laughs> at the, the, the handsome young men that come through here. Uh, you, don't, you don't want to see that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, I've always had glasses. I've had a, a lighter prescription. Now it's uh, now it's lighter. I always used to be more blind than I am. Um, I used more, to be like a well, bat. Be, be, before we let you go, we have to ask you about working for the New York Islanders because that's a cool job, especially for a 23-year-old. Yeah, it's great. How would uh, you get that gig, I, and what uh, do you do? I uh, interned in sponsorship marketing over there for a couple months, and then uh, I interned in group sales for another couple months. Then I worked part-time, and then uh, they finally hired me full-time after that. I've been full-time since the uh, end of November in the group sales department, so we uh, we try to bring out groups, different schools, uh different uh, organizations and foundations to try to fundraise and get as much money for for the organization as possible. So, I uh, have been to only one hockey game in my life. Sorry about that. It was in Montreal. That's a good I place saw the Canadiens. Yep. I saw Mario Lemieux. Neat. And he is the only hockey player I know except for Wayne Gretzky. 
<laughs> Could we arrange a a group event for the foundation where we put Matt out on the ice and people throw the pucks at him? Of course. No, I want to drive the Zamboni. Can real, I do that? Can real you, can real pucks or fake pucks? Which one? <laughs> the real ones. Oh, okay, perfect. Now, yeah. Tom, if you can hook me up to drive the Zamboni, I will be your best friend forever. Can I can I tell you something? Yeah. I actually played ice hockey for a nanosecond at Colgate University when I was a freshman. Really? It's hard as hell because my college roommate was an amazing ice hockey player and out of roommate solidarity I went out it was a club club. it was a club team and I went out and quickly quit after three weeks but I I want to take an opportunity to give a shout out to there's a group there's actually a lot of older women in the area not they're not older than like you at 23 uh, in their 40s 50s and 60s who play in a um, local uh, uh, league-ish kind of uh, league-ish yeah well it's not a technical league anyway but I had written something about them in the Times, and they got a lot of great feedback. But there's a great group of women, and they call themselves the Mother Puckers. I've heard about this. Yeah, and I've they uh, and they play. So I want to give a shout out to they play up at uh, Westchester Skating Academy in Elmsford. So I want to give a shout out to the Mother Puckers while we're talking hockey. Well, have, Maybe we we'll get have, them together with the Islanders. Have you ever laced up, Tom? I uh, I used to play roller hockey. I used to be a big roller hockey player. Okay. Um, ever since I got sick, I haven't played. Um, I would like to, but. That's not the uh, number one thing on my list. It's uh, yeah. being uh, being healthy and everything is good. Sure. I tried to play ice hockey um, when I got into high school, probably in about eighth and ninth grade. Um, it's hard as hell. And it, it is very hard. It didn't work out. It's too a hard well. sport. Not only do you have to know how to skate, you have to know how to play hockey. You have to know how to do a million things. Because <laughs> you have to skate like you walk. I mean, it has to be kind of second nature. Yeah. I used and to then, be great at roller hockey. Like, yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah, but, but you're on the ground. But I couldn't. Your shoes. I. When I got out on the ice with all the equipment, I feel like I've never played in my life. It's a, it's a <laughs> really hard sport. All that oh, gear yeah, very and the stick handling and all of it. Um, but so, so you're not. A, but they're not in the play. Are the Rangers still in the playoffs? Yeah, but they're losing tonight. They are. Are they out if they lose tonight? Yeah, if they lose tonight, they're out. Uh, so wait, do you, do you have to be an anti-Ranger? No, but I, I, I'm right from. I live four miles away from the Nassau Coliseum, so I've. Always been a diehard Islander fan for yeah. my life. That's nice. so that must be tough. So it's a, it's a dream come true. So. so I want to mention that we I met Tom at an event. There's a wonderful organization who's been on the show a couple of times called the National Brain Tumor Society. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about who they are? I'll, I'll, I'll put you on the spot. Yeah, they're they're an uh, organization that uh, rate, they have a, a walk uh, every year in June. Um, they try to raise as much money. They have a walk around uh, Governor's Island. Yeah, yeah, Governor's Gover- Island. I always get the two governors and Roosevelt confused. Um, and they uh, it's a great organization. They uh, just try to all the money that they uh, that they make, they donate right to uh, Brain Tumor Research Foundation. Uh, try to get a cure for it, and um, they're a great. They're a great organization, and uh, they um, they try to do as much as they possibly can. Yeah, their website is braintumor.org, and I've been uh, friends of their organizations for many many years. They were one of the first groups that I reached out to. 10, 12, 15 years ago. Um, actually, Let's put they, it in the chat room. They used to be two different groups. They used to be the Brain Tumor Society and the National Brain Tumor Foundation, but they merged into the Brain Tumor Society. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm very proud of them. And I met you at a conference that they were holding um, oh, yeah. in here in the city. Emily Morrison, former guest of the show, another brain tumor, so I have a remarkable young adult. Mm-hmm. Um, introduced me to you. You were at this event that I spoke at to talk about my yep. story. You were too busy that night, and uh, we had a. Uh, I had a board meeting that night, so I like to hop on the phone and then come back to the meeting. But it was um, it was really humble to be there with your amazing crew. Yeah. So how how much time do you donate to uh, to dedicate to uh, to that group? Um, I'm not 
in it as much as I uh, as I should be. I'm so busy with it, with work and the Islanders and everything. Um, but uh, I'll definitely be there come uh, June 16th, I think, for the walk. Awesome. And, um, so we're trying to get as many people to come out as we possibly can, and uh, hope every, everybody listening uh, can come out and help donate money, and uh, we'll see what we can do. Awesome. Well, Tom, you're going to stick around, right? So you'll be here for the rest of the show. Tom Ryan. Uh, wait, wait. Tom Ryan. Yep. New York Islanders brain tumor survivor. Thank you, guys. Rock star. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. All right. Let's uh, get to the news here. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is I on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. So dramatic. During this part of the Stupid Cancer Show, we announce to our listeners a whole bunch of newsworthy programs, events, and services that we don't want you missing out on. They're all free. They're all just for young adults with cancer. Things like conferences, happy hours, retreats, kayaking and mountain climbing trips, finance webinars, college scholarships, bar crawls, concerts, tweet-ups, support groups, and more. If you have something coming up that you'd like us to spread the word about during this part of the show, please send an email to info at stupidcancer.com. That's info at stupidcancer.com. All you, Lisa. All right, everybody. Head on over to events.stupidcancer.com, your one-stop shop calendar for all of our social and educational events nationwide. Stay in the loop because something could be happening in your neck of the woods, and we certainly do not want you to miss out. What do we got going on, KK? We have a lot of cool stuff going on. I'm going to say it's the inaugural Stupid Cancer Doo-Wop event. Uh, I think that's a safe bet. Doo-Wop. Happening in Akron, Ohio, uh, this Wednesday, April 25th, uh, followed by a Stupid Cancer Happy Hour in D.C. Metro on May 3rd. We have the We Spark Young Adult Group Meetup on May 17th, and Drumstrong in the Triangle, North Carolina, happening May 19th and 20th. It's a weekend. Check it out. And... Uh, we have the selfless tea. Is that over today? That's that's uh, it's over tonight. Uh, it's been extended. Selflesstea.com slash stupid cancer. If you go over to our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash stupid cancer, you can get the link from there. So check it out. Yeah, we're we're just about at our goal of a thousand dollars. We passed the goal. We passed our goal. You, you were you were mile high while we passed it. That's awesome. We uh, we congratulations. Yes, to us. Thank you to everyone who purchased the T-shirt at selflesstea.com slash stupid cancer. All right. Who's talking about the forums? You can do it, Lisa. Stupid Cancer Forums have over 2,500 members. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. This is your premier online community to connect with survivors, patients, parents, and caregivers just like you. Visit stupidcancerforums.com. There's all kinds of topics on there, anything you guys want to talk about. And clearly you are 2,500 members. That's great. Sign up with one click through Facebook, stupidcancerforums.com. Kenny, the marathon, you said we're booked or we're full? We have, we're, yeah, yeah, we're booked. We yeah, have, that. Proud to say that we have five slots filled for the New York City ING full marathon. That is amazing. Yes. Team Stupid Cancer takes the ING marathon. When is it? In November, right? In November. That's awesome. Awesome. All right, well, uh, it is time to start the drumbeat for the sixth annual Stupid Cancer Ungala right here in New York City, stupidcancerungala.org. We've got $75 open bar, $25 cash bar, uh, $650 group bulk tickets for $10. Um, we've got uh, raffle prizes and door prizes, and it's going to be a really an epic night. We're expecting three to 400 people for the hippest down in all of Cancerland, says us, um, at the Taj Lounge on June 7th. Again, visit stupidcancerungala.org today, and that is your Stupid Cancer News. All right, rock and roll. All right, here we go. Please 
Welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show. The chairman and founder of Camp Good Days and Special Times, he is Gary Mervis. Camp Good Days and Special Times is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization providing residential camping experiences and year-round recreational and support activities for children and families touched by cancer, which he founded in 1979 following the diagnosis of his youngest daughter, Teddy, with a malignant brain tumor. Over the past 33 years, Camp Good Days has served more than 43,000 campers from 22 states and 27 foreign countries, and he's here to tell us all about it. Please welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, Gary Mervis. Gary. Hi, Gary. Hi, how are you? Hi, how you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm freezing down here in St. Petersburg. Um, We're bringing a group, uh, every year we take a group of children with cancer from the upstate New York area, and we bring them down to Central Florida to enjoy the attractions. And this year they'll be coming down on Wednesday, and we're going to hit Tampa, St. Petersburg for a couple days, and then we're going to take a bus over to Orlando and finish the trip over in Orlando. And it's something we've been doing since... 1985. How cool. So you take kids yeah. from a freezing cold area of the country. Yeah, to we're a, snowing today. Yeah. To, to Florida, so, yeah. where it's supposed to be warm. Yeah, but it's actually a little chilly. But hopefully they, they say by the time they get here on Wednesday, it should be up in the high 70s and sunny. Well, I mean, I, I, I've really been waiting to have you on the show. It's been too long. I've been a fan of your organizations for many, many years. I've been privy to it for many, many years. And, um, you know, I mean, the obvious question that people ask, and, you know, we live in the bubble. We we know the answer to this, but a cancer camp? What's that about? Well, I think a lot of people thought I was nuts back in 1979 because then uh, you didn't talk about cancer. You whispered about it, and there really was no programs for children with cancer when my daughter, Teddy, was diagnosed You know, this was before the Internet and before cell phones and emails. And in Teddy's world, like most nine-year-olds, she was um, the only one in her entire elementary school, and her world was what she could see and hear, and and no one else was dealing with cancer in her world. And, you know, as her dad, who's first order of business to try to protect her, and, you know, you wish you could hug her close and make the boo-boo go away, and then you realize that this was going to be Teddy's battle and left up to a higher power, but the cruelest part of it was that it was, you know, robbing her of that special time in all of our lives called childhood when we have that sense of we're going to live forever and there's nothing we can do. And, you know, at nine years of age, you shouldn't come face-to-face with your own mortality. You can't look at life the same after that, and either it's in your siblings or, or mom and dad. And I desperately struggled to find a vehicle where Teddy could get a chance to realize she wasn't the only one dealing with the thing called cancer and get back some of that childhood that her illness was stealing from her. And I heard about a doctor in Michigan who had taken, uh, rented an outdoor education center and taken the children from this clinic where the children could get a chance to see the doctors and nurses when they weren't causing them some discomfort. And the doctors and nurses could see the children away from that sterile environment of a hospital. And I saw these children sitting around a campfire singing songs and fishing in a pond. And all I could think of was I wanted to give Teddy that opportunity. So I tracked down the doctor who had started it and learned that his was only the third program of its kind in the country, that it was a relatively new concept. And we didn't have anything for our children in in the Northeast and in our part of New York State. So I invited Dr. Royer to come to Rochester and 
I put a group of friends together and um, at the Rochester Academy for Medicine, and uh, Camp Good Days and Special Times was born. We, we didn't have a name. We didn't have any money. We didn't have any volunteers. And if I'm real honest, uh, we, we didn't even have any campers because I was so busy once I got the idea. I didn't even sat down with Teddy and asked her if she wanted to go to camp. <laughs> but that, that August, uh, we had 63 kids, 21 from Rochester, 21 from Buffalo, and 21 from Syracuse. And we used a private boys and girls camp up on Fourth Lake and the central part of the Adirondack Mountains. And no sooner had the, we put the kids on the buses to come home that we weren't talking about how we could make it bigger and better and involve more children. And, and the rest is just just history. That's amazing. Uh, now, we, now we have our own beautiful camp on the shores of Keuka Lake and the Finger Lakes area of New York State. And um, every summer we're filled to capacity, and uh, we started over the years a program for siblings in 1982, a program for siblings of a child with cancer. Then in 1985, we expanded to a program for the children who were bereaved and children who had a mom or dad that was dealing with cancer or who had, had lost their battle to cancer. And then in uh, 1995, we started a program for women who are dealing with cancer. Um, we do a weekend program for them, but it was really nice because we are now able to do something with the women who had cancer and then also their children, and so it was kind of neat to see that they both had uh, Camp Good Days in common. That's great. So, I mean, I know the I've actually been to Keuka Lake. I went to college in upstate New York, and I actually went to camp way, way beyond you uh, up on the near Plattsburgh, near the Canadian border. So I know that's just a, a beautiful area and a great place to have oh, a camp. Is. Um, it truly is. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely gorgeous, and Keuka Lake is, and, is, and, and is beautiful. And I just said, all of our programs and services are provided free of charge to the participants because when I started the camp, I didn't want any family that was dealing with a child with cancer to have to go through the additional you know, anxiety of can I make the car payment on time or let my child sure. go to camp. That's so I great. said every program or service would be uh, provided free of charge to the participants. That's and, amazing. Uh, That's amazing. Yeah. So how do, so how do you then? You obviously have that. How do you? How do you? Where does most of your your fundraising come from? Your finance. It comes from a lot of generous individuals, and as you said, we're a five hundred one c three corporation, and also from a number of special events that we do, and then I think I've become uh, upstate New York's best beggar. If it isn't illegal or immoral, <laughs> I'll do it. Best beggar, that's funny. So, and how do you how do you find the counselors for your camp? Well, actually, we've been blessed, and mostly it's from, from word of mouth, although we'll still continue to go to, you know, different college fairs and, and other opportunities, but, you know, we've been truly blessed that over this will be our 33rd year, and um, we've got our volunteers for this summer. It 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 uh, it's just been, I think, mostly mostly word of mouth. But but I also have some volunteers who this will be their 33rd year with me that they've that they've been with me right from from the get go. And I've watched them graduate from school, get married, have children of their own. In some cases, unfortunately, get divorced. And but they yeah. still have continued to come um, to camp. Good days. Yeah, I. I, I Sorry, Matthew. No, Gary, I was going to uh, comment on the fact that I'm I'm really happy to see. I'm not sure how much you are familiar with our organization, but Stupid Cancer is the um, the country's largest support community for all young adults affected by cancer, which includes 
long-term pediatric survivors, and your daughter is, what, like 40 now or something like that? So she's... Well, she, she, she would have been, but she uh, passed away in 1982. Oh, I'm and so sorry. This, this, this became my memorial to her, but, but we do have a lot of campers who, you know, have survived their battle with cancer, and, you know, some have done it with uh, little scars, and others, you know, are very visible, but... What's really neat is on this trip that we're bringing the children, uh, we have a nurse who's going to be joining us who just graduated for her nurse practitioner, and she was one of our campers. Um, oh, wow. So we're really, we're really excited about that. And then we, we also have a young adults program for um, young adults with cancer that are from 19 to 39. And, I was going to uh, ask we, you about that program. Do you... Do you um separate like do you have to have been a young adult diagnosed as a young adult or does the young well, adult program also include long-term peds well there, there there are two different programs and we have an alumni program for those children who were diagnosed when they were a child and who have survived their illness and they're now you know chronologically uh, beyond the age of camp then we give them opportunities to get together and be with others that they can share a special bandwidth, but then we do have a young adults program where they're initially diagnosed between 19 and 39. Because I think I think there's, at least in my opinion, there's like two different needs. I think it's 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 one thing to be 19 to 39 and be initially diagnosed with cancer. It's another one to have been nine or ten and um, survived your cancer. Of and so yeah. we we kind of try to keep the the two groups um, separate. But it's so we can best meet their their particular um, needs. Gary, tell us about something called Cancer Mission 2020 that I see on your website that you uh, that you that you founded. Is that right? Yeah, or that you've yeah, initiated? Sure. Yeah. Well, it really came out of frustration. I mean, when I started Camp uh, 33 years ago, I, I everything we did was about what can we do today to improve the quality of life for children and families that were dealing with cancer and nothing that we did in any way could be associated with finding a cure because I honestly believed in, in my lifetime I wouldn't have to go to any more funerals to watch parents bury their child as I did instead of the way it should be children burying their parents after hopefully living to a ripe old age and coincidentally in 2009 which was our 30th anniversary I was at nine funerals of our campers and the last one was a young boy who was 12 the same age as my daughter Teddy was when she died with the exact same brain tumor. And we started after the very first death of a camper where we do a blue launch if the family would like, either at the place of worship or at the cemetery. And Scotty, uh, his parents wanted it at the cemetery. And when I was watching Scotty's parents bury him, I got in my car and I said to my wife, you know, Wendy, I don't know if that's going to to happen in my lifetime, and it really just bothered me more and more, and so I began calling people that I had met over those 30 years at every one of the major cancer treatment centers from, you know, Massachusetts General all the way to the University of California Medical School in San Francisco, and along the way, Columbia Presbyterian, Memorial Sloan Kettering, Roswell, the National Institute for Health, the Mayo Clinic, MD Anderson, and I said to some of these people, I said, you know, just between you and I, why am I still going to so many funerals? And and I wasn't expecting what I was hearing at the other end of the phone conversation. And that just kind of bothered me even more. And so then I called a few back and I said, if I get involved in this, you really think we have the ability 
to find the answers or am I just going to be shoveling air? And they all basically said to me, using different words, that they said, Gary, there's never been a better time to do it, but you're going to have to really do two things. One, you're going to have to create a will in the American people that they want cancer on the front burner. And second, we're going to have to go about it in a completely different way. And one of them said to me, you know, Gary, when you keep doing things the same way over and over again and you expect different results, that's the definition of, of insanity. And he said, you know, just look at where we've really made some progress with certain forms of childhood cancer that as recently as the 60s and 70s, these forms of cancer were almost 100% fatal. Today, a child diagnosed with one of those forms of cancer, the parents could be told their child has an 80% chance of being a long-term survivor, and not in the traditional sense of five years from data diagnosis or two years off any kind of treatment, we're still following these individuals. Not that they haven't had to pay a, a terrible medical price, but the fact is that they're, they're getting older and they've survived you know, their, their bout with cancer. And he said the reason is because 65 to 70% of all pediatric oncology patients are actively involved in clinical trials. And yeah. clinical trials are where the answers are going to come from. Because no matter how good something appears in a laboratory with mice or rats, until you can show it's going to have a positive impact on human beings, it's never going to get approved and never going to get into the hands of people. Gary, you're, you're clearly either. a passionate person, and we can we can smell that in every word that comes out of your mouth. As, a, as someone who was given six months to live when he was 21 with a brain tumor, uh, I'm now 16 and a half years out. Uh, my God bless. Thank you. My question to you is, is can you just, in, in our last minute or so here, can sure. you go into some detail about what activities happen at these camps? What can a patient uh, or a survivor who attends expect to experience? Well, we have everything. We have a beautiful waterfront right on uh, Keuka Lake. We have a project adventure or a challenge course that has, you know, 22 different challenges from on the ground to 40 feet in the air, we have arts and crafts, we have woodworking, we have computers, we have sports and games, um, we have uh, uh, any nature, uh, music and drama, so just about anything that you could imagine at a camp, uh, we have, and during the day, children can pick and choose where they want to participate, and then in the evening, we do large group activities where we bring the entire uh, camp together. That's great. That's well, amazing. Well, folks should check it out. We put your uh, your website in the chat room right there, Kenny. We did. Campgooddays.org. Campgooddays.org yeah. is a place to check it out. You can see all, and as Gary mentioned, there's a women's oncology program, a young adult yep. program, uh, siblings you even said, right? Yep, yep, I, siblings, I supportive spouse. And, and also, please, if you could just mention to your listeners to check out cancermission2020.com and, and just see what it is, and if, if you feel... You know, like I did when I got all the information that we can do more and we should be doing more, uh, sign the petition and become part of this effort to try to end cancer by the end of the decade. I see there's Coach John Calipari from the University of Kentucky yeah. is on there. Oh, yeah. He's been a good friend, and he signed the petition. All right. That's CancerMission2020.com. Awesome. Yeah. Gary, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to talk to us about Camp Good Days and Special Times. You do great work, and... I toast you, and here's to 33 more years of incredible success. And some warm weather in Florida. Yeah, warm weather in Florida, too. <laughs> thank you very much, and thank you for including us. All right. Gary Mervis from Camp Good Days and Special Times. 33 years. That's
He's that is, a dedicated man. That is wonderful, really wonderful. All right, and let's uh, let's keep on our theme and go right to our next guest. All righty. Sarah Blumenfeld is the Development Director, and Rachel Firefly Firestone is the National Program Director for Camp Kesem, a summer camp for kids aged 6 to 16 with a parent who has or has had cancer. This summer, Camp Kesem will operate a mere 37 camps. Kids enjoy typical summer camp activities and the chance to make new friends with peers who understand what they're going through. Another huge fan of Camp Kesem. They're all over the place, uh, and it's a privilege and honor to have them on the show. Please welcome... Tara Blumenfeld and Rachel Firestone Firefly. <laughs> right, mess that up. Rachel Firefly Firestone. I'm sure I think they call her. They call her. The campers call 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 you Firefly. Is that right, Rachel? That's right. One of the magical things that happens at Camp Kassam is that everyone gets to choose a camp name. Um, so I go by Firefly all summer, and sometimes during the year as well. And there's a lot of fireflies at camp. What a perfect name for somebody who works at a camp. <laughs> it is. Thank you, and thank you for having us. We're so excited to be on the show. No, we're very excited. I've, I've obviously been a fan of following you guys for a very long time now, and you are literally, I, you're the camp, they're all over the place, and how many? How do we get more people to know about you? That's the point. We want you to sell out all of your 37 camps, <laughs> and you serve such a great need, too. Why don't you start with how the camp got started and uh, its history. We had uh, Gary on from Camp Good Days. There's a, a panoply of amazing, camp, I see, fancy SAT word for the day. That is. Uh, of of uh camps out there that serve this great need, this great unmet need, and, and I feel like not enough people know it's available. Well, thank you, Matthew. This is Sarah, or also known as Dora the Explorer. Oh, and, neat. Um, <laughs> camp Kesem has been around for a little over 10 years. It was started at Stanford University in California by a uh, one woman who had this incredible vision of bringing together college students and their passion and energy for uh, camp and for doing making a difference in the world and combining that with a summer camp for children whose parents had cancer and what started as one camp with 37 campers grew at a very grassroots level simply by students at other schools saying that sounds cool I want to do that and uh, the next thing we knew we had 23 chapters across the country and a uh, national 501c3 and it was just last year that Livestrong recognize this you know amazing model of college students and campers and um, the magic that happened and with their support we are launching 14 new chapters this year and that's what's taking us to 37 this summer we're very excited you know one of the things that i find most interesting is you know we we, we are focused on the young adult affected by cancer but you know we tend to think perhaps you know too shallowly that that is just the young adult who has cancer and not the young adult who's affected by that cancer. So we talk about like older at our conference in um, in Vegas, which we hope you guys decide to come to next year. Uh, we'd love to have you there. You serve such a great need with our community. We have the parents, you know, of young adults who are sick, but we also have the young adults whose children are sick. But we have the children whose young adults are sick, and it's this weird social spider web that we feel like we we tangentially impact in different ways. Are, what the need that you serve is just so interesting that if I'm 34 and I have a child but I'm sick, what kind of peer support could my child need or have? Uh, is that a unique thing that you guys provide? I think it's very uh, unique to Camp Kesson because it's peer support. 
you know, children don't respond well to necessarily sitting in group therapy. You know, they want to be kids. They want to play and go to camp and do all those fun kid things. And so camp is a chance for them to do that. And they also meet other kids that they see, you know, that life goes on, that it's okay to laugh and play because even though your mother or father is sick. Um, they get to go and meet other kids that are going through the same thing, and, and there's just brings a certain normal to being a kid with a parent who has cancer, and, and your peers are what give you that sense of normal. And then the college students, you know, little kids look up to the big kids, and that's what these college students are to the campers. And, um, you know, that is just a, an amazing relationship. And I'd have to say 42% of our counselors this year have their own personal cancer connection. So they are just great mentors for the young campers that are there. Tell everybody, just let's make it clear to the listeners out there who are coming, hearing about you for the first time, how this works. Because you exist solely on college campuses, correct? Right, correct. but our All camps of... aren't on college campuses. The, the right. students you um, rent out an ACA-accredited camp facility, so they take them to a full-on beautiful camp facility where they have all of the fun you know, adventures and resources that you want at a summer camp. But, right. yes, the chapters are created by the um, volunteer university students. Right, okay. And and like you said, they have all the, the kind of standard camp resources that, that you would think of? Certainly. There's arts and crafts and uh, swimming. Swimming's an all-time favorite. Um, we've got rope courses and, um, you know, everything you can think of that a typical summer camp would have are at our programs. And the cool thing is that our campers can be, you know, working on an arts and crafts project alongside someone else who has experienced a similar situation, and they can talk about it right then and there um, throughout the day, whereas if they're, you know, in a school setting or um, in their own away-from-camp life, it's a little bit more difficult. They feel like um, the outsider or alienated. Right, and normally, so the kids come to the camp for what a week or so? Yes, it's about five to six days um, are each of our programs, and uh, they're run by college student volunteers. All of the counselors are college student undergrads, and um, all throughout the year, the, it functions as a student organization on campus. So we've got um, different officer positions, executive boards that are all um, volunteer students working to create um, everything that goes into making a camp happen. And do you do you mostly focus on the camp activities and the kids who kind of have you know are going through similar things coming together, or, or do you do you incorporate any kind of like social working, ta- you know, chatting therapeutic kind of thing with the kids as well, or do you, does that kind of stay outside of the realm of what you do? Well, we do have a um, licensed therapist on site at every chapter, um, but this person is more of a resource for our counselors. So if they're in a situation that they are not sure how to handle, they can um, go talk to the therapist and get some advice. During the week of camp, it's all about fun. Right. Um, the kids, you know, are just there to really get some time to be kids again. Um, but we do have a couple of programs throughout the week that um, kind of focus on their experience and what they've been through. Um, we have a nightly cabin chat, which is when um, students can, or sorry, campers can share what they're feeling. We pose an open-ended question, and everybody has a chance to speak. Um, and then we also have what we call an empowerment ceremony, um, which is a time during the week that the entire camp gets together all at once, and we focus on why we're here, but also, um, you know, most importantly, the family and community that we've created at Camp Kesem. Um, there, there are some tears during that program at most chapters, but it ends in an uplifted note um, that we're here to support one another. 
Well, I, let me just predicate that if you decide to let your 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 uh, campers listen to the show, just fast forward to the first six minutes because we say a couple of nasty <laughs> words in the beginning of the show. Uh, but you can just go to go go to forty five minutes into the show and we get this segment. That's right. We'll keep it PG. <laughs> Have you found that most of the parents are in their thirties and forties, or even sometimes their twenties? It's a it's a long a big wide range. Yes, there are a lot that are in that twenty to thirty to forty range, um, and really, you know, with the young kids, it's important that they have that the children have an outlet, and it's also a great time for the the parents to have a week where they're not so worried about their kids. They can rest assured that they're off having fun in a safe environment, and they can maybe focus on themselves for the week. Right. I mean, I think there's a lot of good stuff we can talk about offline, too, to sort of bridge our networks together. There's a lot of uh, young adults who are sick that have young children and that they, you know, they have a hard time caring for those children. And, you know, the kind of feedback that you get from these young parents must be incredibly meaningful. Oh, it's, it's very, it is very much. I mean, the, the parents are so relieved. You know, one story that, that comes to mind is a young girl who went home and told her mother it was okay if she died because she knew she'd be okay. And wow. that mother wrote a letter to our founder and thanked her for the Camp Kessim experience. Um, and that mother did die um, shortly thereafter. And it just gave her such peace to know that her daughter was going to be all right. So absolutely, because as a parent, I mean, the first thing you think about is, you know, what are my kids? What's going to happen to them? Right. And who's going to take care of them? And how are they going to cope with this? And so to have that peace of mind is just, you know, that's such a valuable thing that Camp Kessel is able to offer families. I mean, I'm going to, I think the fact that you guys won the uh, the Livestrong Community Impact Award really speaks to the power of your constituency. I mean, even after 10, 10 years or so, I mean, you, you have alumni that have benefited from the, um, do you have, like, campers who were, you know, like maybe 15 who are now, you know, in their 20s and 30s who are, are like these long-term graduates of benefiting from your camps? Yeah, that's actually, um, you know, the biggest part of Camp Kessim is that once you come to Camp Kessim, you are part of this family. You know, we have a um, 85 to 90 percent return rate of campers that come year after year. We have campers now that um, have gone through Camp Kessim as kids, and now they're in college, and we have our teens telling us they're going to pick their college based on whether or not they can be part of Camp Kessim at college. And if there isn't one there, they're going to start it. That's and awesome. we do have um, campers that have become the student leaders in some of our chapters. We have them stay with us after they graduate as alumni. Um, we even have a couple um, board members that were originally counselors in college that have stayed active with the organization. So you are part of the Camp Kesson family, and we want you to stick around, you know, for a long, long time. Whether you like it or not. Well, Ra exactly. <laughs> Ra Rachel or, or Firefly, I should say, um, you, you started as a counselor, is that right? That's right. I got involved with Camp Kesson when I was a sophomore at Indiana University, um, and really it was kind of the family away from family, the home away from home that I was looking for, and um, I really fell in love with the organization and being able to, um, you know, spend time with others who were also striving to make this world a better place. So um, I came on as program director almost two years ago after graduating, and I just feel like I am the luckiest person in the world. I have the best job ever. <laughs> That's great. And Sarah, how did you come to the camp? Um, through some mutual friends, but primarily I'd say for me, I have three young children that, that, um, whose mother passed away that I'm helping raise. And so for me personally, I know what it's like for a child to lose a parent. 
and um, it's just an incredible struggle. And so if we can offer any kind of, you know, help, and if I can be part of that, it, it's just it gives me a lot of satisfaction to know that, that I'm helping some kids out there. So you're, and, you're, you're a guardian, I'm sorry, to three kids whose, whose mom passed away? I am sort of a step-guardian, yes. My okay. sister passed away six years ago, leaving oh, wow. kids ranging in ages from seven to just under two. And, wow. you know, it's a, it's a hard thing to watch a child go through that and, and ask why my mom and the fear and, and all of that. So, yeah. um, you know, unless you have a support system, um, it can really alter the course of a child's development. Yeah. Well, do you accept uh, campers whose parents have already passed on from cancer, or is is, is there a, what, what yes. are the guidelines for that? Yes, we accept um, campers that have a parent who has passed away from cancer, who's currently going through cancer, or also those who are in remission of cancer. Um, and we're accepting campers at all of our 37 chapters right now. So if you know anyone who um, could benefit from our program, please go to our website www.campcastum.org and um, check out the different chapter pages. You can also email info at campcastum.org um, for more information about applications. And can you rattle off a couple of the locations that you have around the country? Sure. We're everywhere um, from everywhere. California to, <laughs> to New York. <laughs> we've got chapters in uh, Florida, Georgia, the Midwest. We've got Indiana, Illinois, Ohio, uh, Texas. Minnesota, up in the um, Pacific Northwest, we just have opening chapters in Oregon and in Washington as well. So where, That's great. Where are you in New York? I'm curious, because that's obviously where we are. Oh, yes, at Columbia University. It's a first-year chapter, one of our newest. Oh, great. Awesome. And, and it actually is, is, on the, is on the grounds up there? No, the campsite no. Um, that they will be using is called uh, Camp Mohawk, and it is oh, yeah. in Connecticut, actually. In Connecticut, okay. They'll Terrific. be busing their campers over to, to the camp. Well, right. I wouldn't recommend Central Park. That's probably a bad experience. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, it's pretty, but you might see a rat or two. Yeah, yeah, or some homeless people. <laughs> yeah, there aren't, there aren't any homeless in Connecticut, are there? So. Sadly, yes. Not at no, the camp, just, though. No, not at the camp. <laughs> <laughs> not at the camp. So I see also on your website, if folks are interested in starting a camp, there's a form on your site, actually, that they can fill out to start a camp. Do you want to kind of talk us through that, what it takes to, if there are folks out there listening who want to start a camp of their own? Sure. Um, yeah, like you said, there is a form online that starts the process. And then um, every year, you know, we kind of review. We've got a list of new campus requirements is what we call it, some uh, little legwork or research that interested students are required to do um, in order to see if the program would be viable in their location on their, on their chapter. So um, after that, we'll review and do a, a little interview process and then move forward. We're hoping to open um, three to four new chapters in this next year. Great. You know, that's what, this is uh, Dora again. That's actually one of the things that I find really exciting about Camp Kesem. We actually have a waiting list of students that are so eager to bring this, this organization. I mean, that to me um, is very impressive, that, that there's so many young adults out there that, that are willing to take on this huge commitment to try to help children. It's, um, it's really encouraging for the future, I think. That's great. Well, before we let you go, Sarah, I have to ask you, how did you get the nickname Dora the Explorer, the very important question of the evening? <laughs> the very important question. Well, I am the development director, so I need to be out there exploring for uh -huh. the resources to help us make camp free for all these kids and to help us grow new chapters. Makes sense. 
So you are, as you mentioned, you are free. There's no charge for this camp. For camp yes, testing. absolutely. That's you know the individual chapters are self-sustaining. Then so that the students are doing all of the fundraising in addition to the planning and programming. So they are you know really trying to build connections to their community with cancer organizations and businesses that can support them because they have to raise all the money to make camp happen. And how many kids can go to camp is really tied to how much money they can raise each year. Well. All right, good stuff. Well, I mean, again, I, it's just I, I just want to re-echo this. It's such an underestimated patient population that there are seventy thousand young adults diagnosed with cancer each and every year. A significant percentage of them have children already, and those children really have no peer support for that right. young adult parent. When we talk about the parents having peer support, having like uh, if you are a young adult with children. That mother with breast cancer can find another mother with breast cancer more easily than that child of the mother of breast cancer finding another child like that. I think what you guys do is extraordinary. Thank you. You know, you're absolutely right. I, I met a young girl who was six years old when her mother was diagnosed with breast cancer, and she didn't even realize herself how much um, stress and guilt she had carried around until she went to Camp Kessem and met other kids, and she realized she carried around this feeling that it was her fault that her mother got cancer. Right, yeah. and to have that burden lifted off of her shoulders, I mean, I can't even imagine a six year old carrying around that weight of thinking it was her fault her mom got sick, and Camp Kessem allows these kids to sort of even get in touch with their feelings, and um you know it just provides them with a health a healthy way to uh to deal and to cope so it it is a huge resource for them i mean i I think i mean I'd like to speak with you guys offline. I think there's a lot of good stuff we could do together and combine our our forces. We'd love that right definitely yeah. definitely. Yeah. And well, we're I'm, so grateful to have you had us on. Thank you. No, it's it's an important voice. It's the, it's the underserved of the underserved, and that's what our job is. Our, our goal is to ensure that no one goes unaware of age-appropriate resources to help them get busy living. And that, that to the end of time, that will be what we do. Thank you so much. Well, um, great having you both really on the show. Great, we really love great. it. Yep, and uh, what a great thing you guys are doing. And it's Camp Kesem again, K-E-S-E-M. Right, and we have to get you guys camp names. That's right. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll get a camp name. <laughs> oh, can I come up get, with it? Don't get us started. Yeah. <laughs> can I do it over a beer? <laughs> or several beers? Yeah, Matt's gonna sneak an alcohol to the camp. Yeah, exactly. Well, all right. Sarah Blumenfeld and Rachel quote Firefly unquote Firestone. Dora the Explorer. Dora the Explorer. And Firefly from Camp Kesem. You guys rock. Thanks so much, and I'll, I'll be in so touch. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. We'll talk to you okay. soon, Matthew. All right. I mean, this young adult movement has, again, has so many sort of spider veins. Yes. If you think of the young adult as the center of the... Spider veins. No, that's good. I suppose it's Go better ahead. than Varicose. Go Varicose. with it. <laughs> what else would it be? What? Yeah. What else, what's the other... What, what, what expression should I have used? Tentacles? Webs? I don't know. Tentacles? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Just, you know, spider veins is... Fractals. As you and I age. Fractals. Yeah. Okay, fractals. fractals. The young adult woman has crow's feet. Has, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so cause let's, let's take a 30-year-old with, with, I don't know, with testicular cancer who's a dad, right? Yeah. There's that, that young adult needs support from another 30-something, another 30-something who won't be a dad. That young adult's parent needs support from another parent who's 30-year-old is sick. That young adult and so on, child and so needs on support. Yes. So, so if you take the young adult as the spoke, Mm-hmm. Of the wheel, mm-hmm. it's everybody True. trying to find them age-appropriate support based on the young adult. It's a, I, I'm blown away by what they do. It's really amazing. Terrific. Yeah. 
Cancer camps, they took us away. They take they us. Our, Calgon. They, they Are we took too our, old for they, that? They took our breath away. Kenny, do you remember the Calgon take me away? No. All right. I, I, that was a population of you that watched it. Yes, thank you. Something. Thank you. Oh, boy. Anyway, good stuff. Great having everybody. Gary. <laughs> no, good show. And uh, Rachel and Sarah. Yeah. All right. Now it is time for our closing sequence. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets. You ever seen a grown man naked? And so... To all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. All right, everybody, that is tonight's show. That's number 222, if you can believe that. We hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick at Stupid Cancer. All right, Mr. Kenny Kane, welcome back. Thank you very much. Good to like be back. I'd to thank our guest, Tom Ryan, here in the studio. Thank Tom. you, everybody. All right, bro. Gary Mervis, Sarah Blumenfeld, and Rachel. Firefly Firestone. All right. From our special camps, yes, Camp Good Days and Special Times, and Camp Kessum. Check it out, everybody. Next week, April 30th. Show, big show. Giving back the right way is what we've titled it. Says us, giving back the right way. You'll want to tune into that because we will have Kimberly Novacell. She is a young adult cancer advocate. She co-founded something called Giving Back is the New Black. She will be joined by her co-founder of Giving Back is the New Black, Heather Anderson, another advocate. And in the Survivor Spotlight, Megan Weiner. Weiner, Matthew? Weiner, Weiner. Weiner, Weiner. Young adult survivor Hodgkin's disease. She'll be joining us, giving back the right way. I also want to point out that Kim, Kimberly, and Heather are young adults who are not cancer survivors that are an example of young adults who can give back to young adult cancer. That's right. Amazing individuals. Yep. If you've missed any of our past shows, all 222 of them, download them all for free on iTunes at itunes.stupidcancer.com or check out all of the archives at stupidcancershow.com. Remember, folks, if it ain't stupid, it ain't cancer. Live from the chemo deck, on behalf of Lisa Bernhard, myself, and our whole crew here at the Stupid Cancer Show, have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Monday, live at 8. Good night, everybody.